Knox Game Design. April 2020. Ludum Dare 46 kickoff. With Dylan, Jacob, and Levi. Welcome everyone to Knoxville Game Design for April 2020. Uh, this is a monthly discussion of game development topics. Uh, this month is a little bit different. Uh, we're doing an online Ludum Dare kickoff. So Ludum Dare is going to start in about two hours. So we're going to basically just talk about the theme and our ideas and things like that. Uh, currently online, we have Dylan Wolf in Lenore City. Hi. And I'm Levi Smith in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So one of the things that uh, we were thinking about doing this month, I've, we Dylan and I have been talking with the developers in Nashville. So we thought it'd be really cool if we could have like a statewide uh, game jam night and something like that. Um, so I was checking my Discord and I jumped on. Uh, so Nashville and also Tri-Cities both have discord channel so i kind of popped into the nashville game developers and i said hey good luck oh i need to share this for you dylan <laughs> okay share share and yeah we'll see who else jumps on line tonight uh this isn't our typical meeting time uh so uh, we're just like hey let's get together just make the the ludum dari kick off since Everyone right now is probably aware of all the panic and virus and all that good stuff. So I was like, okay, I didn't know at the time if like our usual kickoff location, um, Panera Bread, if they would be open or not. It sounds like they're still closed. It sounds like everything's probably going to be closed till May 1st. So I was like, okay, we'll just do it online using our usual uh, Hangouts link, Hangouts location. So... I jumped into the Nashville Game Developers Discord and said, hey, good luck on Ludum Dari 46. Told them about our kickoff. We were, when, I, when Dylan and I were talking to these guys originally, I think they jumped in our Discord, and they're like, hey, we'd like to do, like, collaborate or have a common area or common Discord channel for like making teams. And I think, uh, like myself, I usually just do it solo. But, yeah, it'd be cool if we had a common place to get together and talk about ideas and things like that. Um, so it sounds like some of the people are dropping out. We never did get that one central location. So that might be something we work for next time in six months for Ludum Dari 47. But uh, Corey Martin, I'm not sure if he's the, like the lead or spokesman of Nashville Game Developers. So he's like, hey, good luck to Knoxville, too. Uh, and... He's also looking forward to like this Tennessee crossover, but he's he's thinking maybe some other time as well. Just maybe once all the craziness dies down and everything. And he says he's going to play our games too, so that's pretty cool. I think just like collaborating with these guys across Tennessee will be a good thing. He was saying that there's also a Memphis game design. I haven't really looked up Memphis before, but maybe they have a game design uh, scene out there as well. I know the Tri City guys got a couple of guys. I think Gerald. Uh, Gerald Burke, I think, is his name. Um, I think he's the one. Yeah, that leads, yeah. He he leads the the Tri Cities. I think so. Like I've <clears throat> I haven't necessarily paired up everyone in in Knoxville game design with where they came from, so I don't. Yeah, 
I think this guy is a college student. I'm not sure exactly which college, if it's ETSU or somewhere like that, but uh, he says he's got like final exams and things like that at the end of the semester coming up, so he's he's going to have to pass on this Ludum Dore. So, um, but yeah, maybe in the fall, maybe in October, we'll have a big Tennessee-branded game jam night. I think that would be pretty cool if we could do something like that. Yeah, I, I honestly just... Um... I meant to, to go looking for the the um, the discords because Corey had actually uh, DM'd me on Twitter about like, hey, would you guys want to do this? And I figured just pointing to the Discord because um, <laughs> yeah, different people are doing different things. But um, yeah, I didn't actually think about uh, joining up. Yeah, I don't know if that'd be like an in-person type thing or we all just get on our discords or do a hangout or something. Um, I I think you could probably, um, I I think you could probably manage it um, on discords or something like that because you really be sharing code and, you know, doing like hangouts like we do here. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we're going to like drive out to Nashville or anything. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be really hard yeah. to drive out there and do a game jam. And... <laughs> but yeah, it. Uh, I just didn't think about it because like you, I've always worked alone. I think like most of us in the group here have kind of been like that, and so it would be a different experience. But I'd, I'd be interested just to see what they're doing out there. Yeah, because um, I. I I know a few of them through conventions, but, you know, I haven't really kept up with everything that's going on. Yeah, we were talking about uh, John Sensei last time. I think he's out of Nashville. And yeah. yeah. It'd be cool just to meet those guys. I know I went up to uh, uh, Lexington one time and met their group up there. It seems like they got some pretty cool people up there. Uh, I had a question for you, Dylan, just something I've been kind of thinking about uh, off and on a little bit. So... For the last how many ever years, we've been calling this Knoxville Game Design. Um, yeah. And the website is knoxgamedesign.org. I'm thinking about maybe just shortening the name of the group to Knox Game Design to match the URL. Does that sound Yeah. Good? I, honestly, I use them interchangeably, so I, I don't even think about it that much. Um, yeah, I think that'd be fine. Yeah, I'm just thinking, it's like, okay, we always call it Knoxville Game Design, and people may get confused, and it just makes the name of the group a little bit smaller, and in the intro graphic, it'd just be Knox instead of Knoxville, and that kind of encompasses all of the Knox, Knox metro area, I suppose, because, like, menu, we're not actually in Knoxville, so, yeah, I may just change that. Oh, and I've been using your, uh, background images, or your, uh, watercolor paintings i hope you're still okay with me using those no no that, that's totally fine i have honestly like i started doing an inktober 52 which was um like one painting a week and i just fell off doing it so um <laughs> yeah that's got to be a lot to do that every week uh, yeah I think it's I'm- one of those things once you fall behind one week it's it's really easy to just let it go yeah, there was a site called something.club that I was doing for a while, doing like sculptor cinema images. But uh, yeah, I know you put a lot of stuff out. Uh, and you post most of these to your Twitter. 
account. And I've been using some of these in the uh, in the intro graphics and things like that. Now this one reminds me of the picture on your Flickr of the place in Alabama with the Tory gates. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's actually um, I decided to do one. We've got a friend in um, Alabama in Huntsville uh, who was having a birthday a couple. Well, I guess a couple months ago at this point. Um, and I just did a version of that in watercolor. It looks very cool. I like it. Yeah, that was one, like, usually with the 52 stuff, I just do everything kind of in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And with this, um, with that one, I actually did multiple layers over multiple days, and it actually kind of worked out better. This is very cool of, how you have, like, the reflection here in the bottom. Yeah, like, that's, um, I don't know, usually I just take, like, the same colors I'm using, um, paint the outlines, and then, like, do a blue wash over everything. So, typically, how long does it take to do do one of these? Uh, it really depends. Like usually, I can do one in like an hour or two if it's oh, wow. something simple. Yeah. Um, because I definitely keep a lot of these simple. Yeah. Um, I guess something like some this of them would take a little bit more time. Where you got the more colors you're using and more objects. Yeah, that's that's a little bit rougher. I like Mario. <laughs> That that took some effort to do, just trying to get it right, because, man, like, you get a little bit off, and it, it just looks wrong. Yeah, because like, things like trees and mountains, if you mess up a little bit, then nobody's really going to notice. But if it, if you mess up Mario, then people are going to say, hey. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of different shapes to trees, but, you know. Um... This is kind of like a snake here. Yeah, a lot of these, what I do is I just go back into, like, Flickr photos or something and go, okay, well, this matches the theme. Like, the theme for this week was snake. And just try, try to do kind of parts of that. Like, this one was one from uh, Central Park when I went to New York a few years ago. Oh, okay. I thought this might have been, like, Ayers Hall at UT or something. No, this was, I think it's a place called the Arsenal. Okay. Like there's a couple different buildings if you go um, that you can go around to, and that that was definitely what I struggled on. Like I've seen this from your Flickr. I think I might use this for one of the intros. The, the yeah, that was one um, somewhere in. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's somewhere around Teleco Lake in Lenore City. Um, TV, oh, yeah, like the TVA recreation area there. And that, yeah, I had a photo from when I was walking there. I really like the shapes and the like the organic uh, type shapes or whatever that it makes. It's like this is stuff you can't do in like paint or Photoshop or like using a computer generated program. Yeah, it's one of those things that like I have no idea how to control it. I know like I've bought art from. Uh, at like conventions and stuff and there are people who definitely know how to use those sort of bleed effects mm-hmm. um, I like this one kind of like how you show your tools what you use and 
Yeah, I've gotten those. I think I got those for Christmas. It's a um, it's a type called. It's from a company called Kuratake. Mm-hmm. I think it's like I don't remember how to pronounce it. Um, Sounds Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think I think the idea is the pigments are a little bit different, so you don't have to do multiple layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of uh, looks like it's in Roy G. Bibbs, where you start out with your reds and good oranges and greens, yeah, blues, violets. Yeah, the name of that is Kurataki Gansai Tambi Tambi. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that wrong. T A M B I. T A M B I. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what what that means, or if it's just a brand name. Oh, so oh, this is cool. I haven't seen this. So you got like yeah, the Japanese but... kanji here, and the furigana, the actual kana letters. So you know what it means in Japanese, and also in English at the bottom. Yeah, and the benefit to this is like this comes with the set, and it's blank, and then you just like fill it in with the paint so you can kind of see um what different colors look like and Mm. i I, i'm not good at this so uh like i think people who are more experienced with watercolor would start out like you'd have like the a real dark area and then fade out to more uh transparent so you can kind of see the range whereas this is just like in most cases just like blotches so, so I can't tell looking at this over the computer. So, is this like a print right here, or is, does this come blank and you fill in the colors yourself? Oh no, yeah, that's blank. Like oh, okay. I, like I said, I did that, and and so I don't really have the nice gradients, so you can oh. see the range. It's just whatever I got down there. So it's kind of like just a way to test your... So I'm assuming you have a limited number of colors and you mix them together to get these off colors like cerulean blue and imperial violet and all that. Yeah, these were some I found on uh, jetpins.com. I think this was like the 48 palette set, 48 color set. You can get smaller palettes. um, And then they sell refills of, of some of the, the different colors. Oh, okay. Very cool. There's another... Yeah, I think that was the first one I did with those. Yeah, well, Just to uh, kind of test them out. I've not... I've not done enough um, watercolor to actually tell the... <laughs> tell a huge amount of difference, but... Yeah, yeah. I know you did a lot last year as well. Um, oh yeah, and I finally found out that red. I think I ordered a couple of these off that. Was it Red Bubble? Yeah. I, I can't find the link to your Red Bubble. I know it's on here somewhere on your Twitter. <laughs> but if anybody wants to uh, order any of these, you can get a Red Bubble and oh, here it is. Red Redbubble dot com slash people slash Dylan Wolf. And then you can order various different types of prints for these, and they come out pretty good. Yeah, I've I think I bought a couple from a friend's Redbubble, and and they're pretty good quality. Like you kind of have to once you upload something, yeah, you kind of have to play around with it to get it right. And um, by default, it'll just dump like 
your your image on a bunch of different um, products. Mm-hmm. So, like this one, I just didn't turn off. Sure, like <laughs> I like the bed sheets. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, I would never <laughs> buy that from a print-on-demand site, but yeah. uh, it, it's just. Like there's so many of them, it, you you might as well just uh, leave it on, or you, even if you don't mean to leave it on, yeah. Or even if you mean to turn it off, you're gonna forget one. And I'm sure you get a cut of like whatever whatever you sell, right? Yeah, I mean it's print on demand, so you don't get a huge cut. You can kind of adjust the price. Yeah. I just leave whatever the default cut is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's like if if you were gonna do these professionally you'd, you'd want to buy prints from like Vistaprint or something someplace like that oh, okay. um just so you get a bigger cut of you know like you, you take sell. on the risk of, of holding all the inventory mm-hmm. but yeah that reminds me give me one second here Okay, let me pull this back on me. For what it's worth, there is the uh, I, I posted the uh, link to the the set in chat. Okay, yeah, I'll I was using. I'll grab that and then add that to the notes. So copy that and paste that there. Okay, so um, let me get rid of this. Hide. So I got the new. From, I believe we got this done in Vistaprint, the new Knoxville game design brochures. It's kind of like the ones that we gave out at the previous uh, cons and things like that. It doesn't come out too well on the webcam. It comes out backwards. But if anybody wants yeah. one of these, just let me know. I was thinking about going around and like d- different places and dropping these off. Because these were like the most popular things at the conventions that we did. So I think I got 50. I think I got 50 or those made up so we have them um yeah i guess we need to get a new picture somehow because i know yeah some of us look a little bit different than we did the last time the picture was made yeah so anyway uh, i didn't mean to go off on that tangent but uh we got a couple hours to kill so dylan and i were talking maybe if we don't have enough to fill up for two hours maybe we'll reconvene a little bit later yeah. Or actually, I guess we could go through the um, we could go through the, the the final voting round of themes and yeah. Let me and talk share, about share share screen share share and I think I had some of those up here. So LD Jam. So this is L Ludum Dari forty six. This is actually my twenty first twenty first one that I've done, and I, I know Dylan, you've done. <laughs> quite a few of these as well i think you started out around 27 or 28 um but yeah they do these uh biannually now and if you're interested in doing ludum dari i guess i haven't given the the whole spiel and everything you can go to lgdjam.com it's a game jam you do it in either 48 hours or 72 hours so there's two different versions of this the 48 hour, you work alone, you work solo, you create all the assets yourself, which include like art, um, music, sound effects, 
and all that good stuff. And you're supposed to start from scratch. However, there are... Some people kind of bend the rules about this. They say that you can use like existing libraries and code bases. So I think some people are pushing the the I don't know pushing the limits of of, of the code base because you could basically recreate your whole game beforehand and then plug in whatever theme it is into it. But I don't know. So anyway, you're supposed to create everything from scratch if you are doing the 48-hour classic jam. And I think that's how this started out as a 48-hour jam. Then somewhere along the way, a couple of years later, or a few years later, they created the... Uh, what is it? Is it jam? No, that's the compo version. They call it compo is the 48-hour. Then the jam is the 48-hour, or 72-hour, which is three days. It's a little bit of a misnomer because I consider both of them jams. Uh, but the 72-hour version, you can work on Teams. There's tools they built into the LD Jam website now where you can form Teams. So each person, their name appears on the entry. So you create your game. It has to be hosted on your own site. Well, let me put that a different way. They don't host your game on the Ludumdare site. So you have to find your own place to host your game. Fortunately, there's places like Itch.io and GameJolt, which will host your game for free. I think there are limits, like it can't be more than a gigabyte, but I've never made a game that I haven't been able to load up to Itch.io or, or GameJolt. Uh, I guess some other ones are, uh, what was the old Flash one? Newgrounds. I guess you could put it on Newgrounds. I haven't seen too many on there. Or if you have your own website, you can host it yourself. Uh, but I do kind of like Itch.io just because uh, you have your game up there with all the other, a lot of other game jam games. Uh, one thing that Dylan and I have talked about is like, well, don't expect people to find your game through Itch.io, but it is a good place to host your game. Yeah. And as always, I may have already said this, but if you have your own website, you can always post it on your own website, which is what I've kind of been doing. I've been kind of posting it to my own site and and uh, Itch.io at the same time. So I think that uh, covers the overview. Oh, so after you, after the 72 hours or after the 48 hours, then you uh, create your entry, you post screenshots, and then other people will play your game, and hopefully you play their games. I think there's a uh, requirement that you play around 20 other games in order for you to get a rating. And these games are rated on, uh, I think, five or so different categories, such as art, uh, audio, fun, innovation, mood, and then there's an overall rating. So you get different ratings in different categories from the other people who have also submitted entries. So it isn't like you can go get your mom or whoever to play your game and give you a rating on it. They're still welcome to play your game, but... They also have to submit an entry too, in order for them to uh, get a rating. Then after like three weeks of rating, then they'll come out with the results. And I think they just put all the games in order for the different categories. So you can, uh, and also on your game page, you can see where you finish, which I don't put a lot of like stock into the ratings because anybody can rate anybody's game, but it's kind of fun. 
But yeah, if you go to ldjam.com and then you click on the very top. I wish they had this expanded by default, but you can click on Welcome to Ludum Dari 46. And it'll kind of, it'll give you the rules, kind of like the stuff that I just talked about. But it goes into a little bit more detail on what's considered a derivative work and whether you created something originally and not and things like that. Uh, you can also stream yourself making your game on Twitch. And if you put it in the right categories with the right tag, then it will show up on the side here uh, where you can see other, where everybody can see everybody making games over the weekend. Um, and one thing that used to be pretty popular was making time-lapse videos. So if you do record your, yourself making a game over the weekend, then I, I wrote a little review script that uses FFmpeg, which extracts all the frames, like one frame every 30 seconds, and just mash all those together to create a time-lapse video. You can also use things like, uh, one that I use is uh, uh, Elements, it's not Photoshop. Uh, I got Premiere. Premiere, yeah, Adobe Premiere. So you can also put your whole video into Premiere and just and scrunch it down and fast forward it and say run it at four hundred percent speed and things like that. So there's different ways to do that. Then I usually go back in after and overlay music on top of it. Oh, and one other thing about the difference between the forty-eight hour and seventy-two hour versions of the jam and. The 48 hour, you, you're supposed to share your source code. So you can post it wherever you want to, but when you submit your game entry, then there will be a field that you can add where it says source code, and then you just put a link to your source code right there. So I think the whole purpose of this, like Ludum Dari literally means, I believe in Latin, to, to give a game. And part of that giving of the game is also to give source code so people can see how you actually created this game but i think in the 72 hour jam version you don't have to share your source code i could be wrong about that you may have to share it regardless but from what i remember um in the yeah i don't know that i've i was gonna say i don't know that i've done the jam no i've done i think i've done the jam once before um i think typically they like you too though like, yeah i think so that, that's and that's kind of that's kind of the idea of like being able to use code and stuff beforehand. It has to be something that is publicly available, either free or paid, so that everyone's kind of on the same playing field. Yeah, you know, like you are you are building your own private engine uh, somewhere, and then you know using that. Yeah, exactly. So I think, like you said, I think you just have to make a post. Um, beforehand and say, hey, I'm using this engine or I'm using this code base. But it's like nobody's really policing any of this. <laughs> and and yeah. that's, that's the other thing about Ludum Dari is there's no prizes. You're, they always say the prize is your game. So it's kind of like just a way to get people to finish something in a weekend and, and just do something from beginning to end. Because I know like I, I have a lot of projects that I start and never do finish. So this is just a good way. It's like, hey, what a few times a year just to create something from start to finish uh, in a weekend. Um, they also do keynotes. And this, I was trying to add up this binary earlier. I think it's like 113 or something. Uh, but this guy, Will Blanton, I haven't watched this yet. But usually before each Lindor, 
somebody does a keynote and just basically goes over everything that I just went over, like some of the rules and how to prepare. Some people like to talk about what snacks they're going to get and 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 when they're going to sleep. And that's one thing that a lot of people uh, say is like, well, make sure you sleep <laughs> and make sure you get some fresh air over the over the weekend. And because if you don't, that's bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, so usually they have uh, real-world meetings, which is kind of like what we're doing now, but because of all the virus craziness and all that, everything's shut down. We're just kind of doing this online. But if this if this is popular, then maybe we'll keep doing it. But it's kind of get good to get together once in, once in a while anyway. Okay. So over the past few weeks, they have theme voting, and each of these rounds usually goes for a few days or a week or so. So, so at the very beginning, they start out with a theme slaughter. So everybody in the world, they submit like three of their choices for theme, and then there's voting on those themes where you say, I like it, I don't like it, or it's like not a theme or slaughter or something. So basically after that first round, that first cut, then they come up with, I guess, 30 or so themes that go into these rounds of voting. So for after each round, people vote them up, down, or neutral, I think. And then after the three rounds of, first three rounds of voting are finished, and they had the final uh, voting round. So am I not logged in? No, I like, well, no, it actually shows you as logged in. Yeah, well, it's... You might have lost... Okay, I'll, uh, some reason it forgets that I'm logged in or something here. Yeah, it didn't... Like, it never remembers me, so they may just have a really short, like, timeout. Yeah, maybe they set their cookies to expire, like, after an hour or something. So if you're ever on the Ludum Dore site and things don't look right, just... Shift, refresh, and that should fix things. So, yeah, I guess we'll, we can talk about the different themes here. So, uh, Dylan, you, you said you voted on these as well? Yeah. So, the first one we have is uh, Dreams. So, I upvoted Dreams. I'm trying to remember if they already had Dreams, because I remember doing a game that was Dream World, but that, that may have been a different theme. Yeah, that could have been... I know they've done a couple like that, like Parallel Worlds and, and stuff like that, so... Yeah, I think that um, was it. It was Parallel Worlds, so the one that I did was called Dream World. That was the one with the little teddy bear guy. Um, yeah, so I, could, I, I think Dreams is like, well, you can do a lot of different things with Dreams. And that's a theme that I like where it, isn't, where it doesn't really pigeonhole you into doing a certain type of game and especially one there are some themes that like, dictate the mechanics of the game and i usually don't like those i didn't i actually tend to go the other way like i i downloaded dreams i think yeah um because honestly like broad topics are really hard to work with for me like i, I want something that w pretty soon after the 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 theme is announced, I can go, okay, I know basically what genre I'm doing. Um, yeah. But th that reminds me, like, back in the day, back when we did meet at the tech co-op, 
uh, we'd find out what the theme was. And like, as I was driving back from downtown Knoxville back to Oak Ridge, I, I would, that would give me like 30 minutes just to think of what type of game that I want to do. And I will admit like there have been a few of these where I, I kind of knew what type of game I wanted to develop. And then I would shoehorn the theme into it. Um, yeah, I've done the exact same thing. I, I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, dream, dreams kind of like vague categories like that kind of um, gives you the freedom to work within them and kind of be more creative, more specific categories tends to kind of put you in a box, which means you kind of have to think around it. But for me, like, I don't have as much of like the blank page syndrome where it's like, Oh, what do I do with this? <laughs> if I've got direction. Yeah. And I, I do think that that does open up things for like people, I don't know, not playing by the rules sometimes. Cause I, I have seen games like say the theme was cats and then I would see a game as like, Oh, here's a space shooter. And I put a cat in it. <laughs> it's like, okay, we know that you didn't have this in mind. <laughs> but I guess that's perfectly fine. Like we say, I mean, it's all for fun anyway. Yeah, and like if you're really worried about voting, there is a theme um, category. So if you um, if you just make a really weird connection there, you're, you're probably not going to score very well in theme. Exactly. Yeah, I totally forgot about the theme category. Um, so the next one is You Are the Power Source. And I put this as neutral just because, or a zero, just because I don't know what I would do for that one. I don't know exactly what I would do for it, but it definitely lends itself more to like a puzzle game or something where, um, you know, like the player's avatar or cursor or whatever um, does something in the game world more than just you know, a normal platformer or top-down adventure game would, would do. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of, like, your retro future game, where I did, like, a resistor game where you have the power source and you connect things up to it. So I guess you could do yeah. something like that. Yeah, and that, that to me, like, that almost seems like you plug it into a, a genre of game where you've actually got a player character. So the next one is uh, turn a violent genre non-violent. It's like, I, I didn't even think about this. I was just like, down like that. <laughs> um, Actually, I voted that just because it's a different theme. Like, yeah. it, it forces you to kind of think about how you use theme in connection to mechanics. Because mm -hmm. in, in a lot of cases, like, if your game is, is very dependent on theme, like, or uh, mechanics, like, theme, theme can just be a very... Um, very thin layer on top of it, which is fine. It doesn't have to be. And, and I think that kind of forces me to go like, okay, let me, let me use theme in a way that I'm not used to. Yeah. So it, it just seems like over the last decade or two, we've been taking nonviolent games and turning them violent. I guess I'm thinking like super meat boys, like, okay, well we had, yeah. we have all these platformers. So now we're going to just make it a lot bloodier. So this is uh, so this is kind of like the reverse of that. So I guess you got to start out with the violent. So maybe you could have zombie zombies that hug each other or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking. Well, I'm, I'm thinking like first person shooters would be good. 
Fighting games would be good. Um, I'm trying to think of what else has like certain styles of RPG, like Diablo style RPG. That those are typically very violent. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking like Mortal Kombat 2 when they had the friendships at the end. Instead of cutting the guy's head off, you give him flowers or something. <laughs> yeah. So the next one is an abandoned world. That's kind of a tongue twister there. Um, so I don't know. This just seems kind of like a standard. I, I upvoted it, but maybe I should. I'm, I'm leaning more toward a neutral on this one. Uh, just because there's been so many post-apocalyptic games and uh, uh, I don't know it's kind of like hey, I've I've seen it I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, I I did actually upvote it though cuz it you're right. Like there's there's a lot of kind of um applications of that that've already been done to death. I I've upvoted it just cuz it was like hey, that that means I don't have to worry about you know, I can come up with a setting that I don't have to then populate with a bunch of characters and and spend a lot of time on, honestly. Yeah, and I think it is kind of an open-ended theme, so you could do a lot of different stuff with an advantage world. But I just see a lot of like post-apocalyptic games with that one. But yeah, you could do any type of genre. You could do a shooter. You could do a first-person thing. You could do a puzzle game, whatever with that. Um one minute to oh and yeah that reminds me so one one of my criteria for upgrade upvoting and downvoting themes which i think a lot of other people do as well if a theme is like really close to a previous theme and they used to actually put like a designator next to these like oh we already did this in like ludumdari 28 and that's kind of how i feel about one minute to prepare seems like i can't remember if it's one minute or 10 seconds it may have been 10 seconds so I think it was 10 seconds, because I, I think that was the first Ludum Dare I ever did. Yeah, you did the balloon popping game, right? Yeah, just something simple so I could kind of get a feel for things. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of like one that limits you on mechanics. So, it's like, okay, you got one minute to do something. So Yeah. I also like that it kind of... This theme, like I upvoted it again because it really helps with scoping down. Like if if your game has to do something in one minute, then you don't have a lot of time to um, play with other, you know, like play with really complicated systems. Yeah, and that's something I forgot to mention earlier. Um, so if you are doing a Ludumdari game, it's a lot of times it's better to make something i think five minutes is a good rule with a rule of thumb it's like make your game playable in five minutes because usually people aren't if you got to play 20 of these games people don't want to spend an hour playing 20 yeah. games. So some, but also you've only got a weekend to work on it and if you're building like a 20 to 30 minute game that's a lot you have to um prepare and test exactly. and design and all that yeah, so I think shorter is the better. You, you don't want something that only takes a minute. So I could see, like, having a game in one-minute chunks or something. But I think I think this could be cool. It's like, hey, make a baking game or something where you got to get the components to make a cake and you got to do it in a minute or I, I don't know. Yeah, it also feels like, um, like you've got 
I've played a little bit. League of Legends has a game called uh, Team Fight Tactics out now. That's like an auto chess battler where you you essentially trade cards to get new heroes and then arrange them on a board, and then you just let it. You, you stand back and let it play, and I think that's kind of a genre that would work really well with this. Where okay, I'm going to make a bunch of moves and then see how that resolves. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I haven't played Team Fight Tactics. I think I've seen video of it on Twitch. So, so what you're saying basically, you kind of just like set up uh, what your your I guess your your different guys or whatever. Then you press go. Then it just plays it out for you. Yeah, it's multiplayer. So you know you're you're rotating around through like seven other opponents mm-hmm. trying to essentially take each other out and, and you lose life every time you lose a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really like set collection, you know, kind of almost a card game in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like you're playing every turn. You just kind of set things up and press go and it, then, it, then it does it. Yeah, like you, you set things up, you wait, f- you have a certain amount of time you can do something, you set things up and then after, after you're preparation time is up i guess in this case it does what it's going to do and you see whether you actually had a good strategy or a bad strategy oh okay i'm gonna have to play that someday um okay so the next theme is decay and i upvoted this but i'm kind of neutral to it um i don't i downvoted it but i'm also kind of neutral to it like it it very much it very much suggests like a mechanic where you're going to have like a timer on something. Mm-hmm. And when that timer runs out, it goes away. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything for this is like, well, uh, like a decaying plan or uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I would have to think for a while on decay <laughs> to come up with something for that. Um, so the next one is side effects. I downvoted side effects um, it just seems like it, it would be kind of hard to, I don't know, work that into a game. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I actually did upvote it, but I was kind of on the fence about it. Um, I think there are ways, like, again, this, this to me suggests a puzzle game that if you do X, it also does Y mm-hmm. and you have to, um, like uh joe did uh well i can't remember what it was called the the light game where you were lighting up the tiles oh yeah it's kind of like you pick two then it it would affect the tiles around it yeah like that's almost what i would i would look at as um side effects like you do something that has some some other unexpected effect that you have to account for yeah, I think that one reminded me of the game. I think it's called Revisi. It used to be on Windows where you kind of flip things and then it would affect all the other like tokens around it and things like that. But side effects, I'm kind of thinking like, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking of like a, I don't know, like a, a monster type thing where you take different potions and you get different side effects. I don't know. I would have to think about side effects for a while. Yeah, it's not obvious. 
Yeah, or it could be like side effects in code, or yeah, I don't know. I, I'm downvoting that one. Uh, fragile. I think fragile could be cool. Like I know how to do like cell fractures in Blender, um, but as far as making that like the main main uh, mechanic in the game, like like maybe you would have a waiter and you have that would be a cool game so i have like a waiter and he's got all these glasses on his little plate and he's got to kind of like balance it on his plate and you got like people running around the restaurant and you're trying to avoid uh bumping in to the different obstacles and if you do bump into something then you're you're the thing that you're serving the glasses or whatever will fall off and shatter that's yeah, I definitely think it has. Um, this was another one I upvoted, but I was kind of on the fence about. Um, I think if you interpret it really vaguely, what you get is, like you're saying, games where it's kind of a thematic element on top of a mechanic. You could have games that were kind of physics-based, where you're trying to balance stuff, like you're saying. Um, or even... If you interpret it really loosely, um, it's almost like kind of weakness, like one hit will kill you type of type of stuff. Yeah. So it could be like a really old man or something like that, or I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess fragile, I'm also thinking like whenever you get something in the mail that is fragile. So maybe you could have a game where you're uh, delivering mirrors or you're a delivery man and you got to deliver the mirror to the house or something. I, I don't know but yeah i think there's a lot of things you can do with fragile okay so next one is outdated technology so this kind of reminds me of the one that i did the uh uh that oh, what was it is i did kind of like a zelda game uh but you played like the anubis guy and uh so you're basically in ancient egypt and uh, is like ancient technology, so it's like okay, ancient technology, outdated technology. Can have we done that one before? Um, I can't remember. I think it was ancient technology, which I it's similar, but I also read that as very similar to um, well, no, it's it's similar, but I read that as different than um, ancient technology. So ancient technology is like, you know, how they move blocks to build the pyramids or something, whereas... Um, yeah, it was ancient know, technology, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, whereas outdated, I can think of, like, you know, a personal computer from the 70s or 80s. Oh, yeah, or like a rotary phone type thing, or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that would be cool. So, or you could do something with like VHS tapes or collect the VH. Maybe you work, now. This would be cool. Maybe you work at Blockbuster Video, and it's like a movie rental type games. And customers come in, and the movie they don't have is in stock. Then they get angry. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a good like. This is this is one that is is suggesting more theme than mechanics. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay, so I downvoted that one, but I'm kind of warming up to that one now that I think about it. Uh, the next one is Ruins. So I upvoted this just because I thought, I was like, hey, this is kind of like an open-ended one. You could do a lot. 
with ruins. You could do like a game in ancient Greece or something like that, or like a treasure hunting game. But I, I did a GM48 recently that was treasure hunting, so maybe I don't want to do another treasure hunting game right now. Yeah, but I think this this is one that lends itself to a lot of, again, it's kind of the opposite of the violent genre, nonviolent. There are a lot of there are a lot of kind of game mechanics and game genres that that exist in hey you're going to explore a dungeon or something like that um and so it, it kind of opens up those possibilities yeah like you could do a, a shooter through ancient temples or you can do a puzzle game or or an rpg type thing i don't know yeah you can do a lot with it uh so the next one i downvoted which is momentum but i think with like, if you are doing a 3D game in Unity, or even a 2D game, I think you could do a lot of cool... I think this is kind of like a mechanic-type thing, so you're going to have something and uh, that that's going to affect the momentum of whatever your game object is. On this one. Yeah, it definitely... Like, I, I think I actually upvoted that. I, I see this as... It could be as something as simple as an infinite runner. Mm-hmm. You know? Like where you're constant, like you have a constant speed, or, or I guess what I should say is like you don't have a zero speed. Like you, your default state isn't stopping; it's moving. Yeah, it's just momentum makes my head hurt. I'm a, I remember taking like physics in college, and I remember like the relationships between acceleration and speed and position. Like they're each like a derivative of each other. And I was like, uh, this this momentum just makes my head hurt thinking about like doing all the calculations. But I guess you could make something a little bit more generic, and it doesn't have to be really mathematic or physics involved for momentum. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever took physics. Like I took calculus, but I didn't take physics. So I know those two are like connected. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of one step removed from it. Going well, that's just the speed you're moving it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to has to suggest it has to feel to the player like you know you can't slow down or you have have to uh prepare to slow down that's interesting because my whole my whole thinking on this theme is based on my my past experiences and it's just like okay that was a bad time in my life like getting yeah. into physics and uh, it's like, okay, I just don't want to even think about that. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. Like I know if I'd taken physics, I would, I would be like, well, it has to, uh, you know, I, I would know those things and I would, I would be going like, yeah, well it has to meet the default definition or the, the actual book definition of momentum. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking of like Newton's laws. Like he had three laws. The second one is force equals mass times acceleration. And, and all that good stuff, and it's like, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, it could be a pretty open theme if you don't take it as the specific physics definition of momentum. Okay, so the next one is automation. I upvoted that. I don't know why I upvoted it, but I, I, I guess I just thought it's like, okay, here's kind of an open-ended theme that that you could do a lot with. Um, I can't. I really don't have any ideas for automation, um, but I'm thinking kind of like kind of like your retro future game, maybe having something and having 
multiple things tied together in a line. I've always wanted to do like a a, a, a Rube Goldberg game. It's like kind of like the old mousetrap board game where you set up all these different things and have them connected together. So I think doing yeah. something like that would be pretty cool. I I downvoted automation, but I know there's lots of like um, a friend of mine has a or as a game for his his daughter that um, is like one of those learn to code games mm-hmm. for kids. And, you know, you lay out a bunch of tiles and you play down cards to tell someone else like, okay, turn, go forward, pick up the object, you know, turn around, take it here, you know, jump over the obstacle. Um, and I would, I would almost think of it as something like that. Like you're, you're doing a really simple, um, it kind of kind of like with the one minute to prepare you know you put in all your your uh logic or you build your engine and then you hit a button and now it has to automate yeah yeah i've never played that game that you're talking about but it sounds like a cool idea i'm thinking of like where you could have like a board of different places that you can go to then you draw like maybe five cards from a pile and then in your hand you'll have like kind of like you're saying like go forward go backwards play another turn kind of like uno or whatever and then you could play your different cards to go to different spots on the board i think that would be kind of cool i haven't seen it done yeah, I mean, I I think that's kind of the whole genre. There's there's lots of actual physical games that are basically learn like teaching kids how to code or not directly how to code, but how to think in algorithms. Yeah, and I think that's kind of kind of what you could go for with that. Okay, so the next one is keep it alive. Um, I downvoted keep it alive, but I guess there's things you could do maybe. Like have like a, a a plant watering game. Like hey, you got a water bucket. And you got to keep your plant alive. You can't overwater it. Um, but I guess you could yeah. have kind of like a little. What was that thing, Tamagotchi, where you got the little egg and you got to take care of your little virtual pet and. Make yeah. Sure. I didn't even think about that. That's a good idea because I. Like, I downvoted this, and I think the main reason I did it was because it just sounds like like you could do any sort of game where your character can die, and that's kind of the whole mechanic. Um, but yeah, you could get way more literal with that and get into, like, watering plants or, or Tamagotchi or that sort of thing. Yeah, because keep it a lot. Yeah, because I, I was coming from the perspective as like okay, of an external thing that you have to keep it alive. But if you're thinking about keeping the player alive, then that's kind of like every game, almost every Mario game and Zelda game out there. But I guess that lets you do a lot of different things with that. Yeah. Um, the next theme is garden, which I, I upvoted garden just because I don't think that's been a theme before, and it seems kind of unique and. Seems like you could do a lot with it. I mean, I, I would just hate to see like a million. What was the Facebook game? Um, oh, Farmville. Farmville. Yeah, I don't want to see a million Farmville games, but I was like, oh, if I could have a game where I'm like making a Japanese garden or something, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you think of Farmville, but there's actually a lot of different games that use similar mechanics, like um, Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing. 
Minecraft. You know, there's a lot of games that have some sort of farming mechanic that that kind of works like that. Um, so you could play around with that. But then, like you're saying, like with Japanese gardens or something like that, um, something that's more of an idea than it is a mechanic. Yeah. Um, it it kind of, like, you can actually use it thematically or as- aesthetically. Um, you know, because when we think of gardens, there's, you know, lots of different sort of aesthetic things we think of yeah. more than the actual mechanic of planting something in the ground and waiting for it to grow. Yeah, like garden in opposed to garden. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I think you could do a lot of different stuff with garden, so yeah, I voted that one up. But it, it, just, it just seems like to make a good like gardening game that's going to require making a lot of assets. It's like, oh, i got to make... Like, if we just take it like at the Farmville level, just like, it'll be like, hey, i got to make graphics for carrots, and i got to make graphics for corn, and i got to make this graphics. But I, th- I think it would generate a lot of unique different types of games, too. Unless everybody yeah. just does the plain Farmville game. Okay, so the last one that I downloaded, last one on the list, which I downloaded, is Connections. And seems like we had one similar, I could be wrong about it. Maybe we were talking about earlier, Connected Worlds. Um, yeah. I think you could do a lot with Connections. Um, I'm thinking kind of like Pipe Dream, kind of like the Resistor game, kind of like Retro Future. I don't know where you make connections on a board and you got to connect different things up. But I guess you could also do now if connections end up being the theme, I'm, I may do like a, uh, uh, uh an airport game where you got to go from connection yeah. to connection. And one thing that I've really wanted to do is like, there's this, uh, thing called Dijkstra's algorithm. So if you have like a, a map of all these different nodes in a graph, trying to find the, uh, shortest connection between points or between all the points. So I think something like that would be pretty cool in a game, and I've never seen it done before. Yeah, that that would actually be an interesting optimization problem. Um, actually, like a lot of, I guess if you think about it, like a lot of board games do use connections in different ways. Like if you've ever played Settlers of Catan you know, you're building roads and those roads can do certain things. Um, if you've played uh, Takanoko, like you're building connections between um, to irrigate different hexes of land and that's another way connections could be used. I'm trying to think, I've played a whole bunch of different board games where you're essentially, you like you're building a network mm-hmm. and building a network is is kind of handled different different ways thematically. Yeah. So did you upvote connections or downvote it? I did upvote connections because okay. I figured that that would make a good puzzle game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it'd be that bad. I probably would have voted it neutral at least if I thought about it a little bit more. Yeah. So those are all the themes. So I was just going to talk a little bit about the tools that I'm planning on using. I'm using all... <laughs> Now, all these tools aren't necessarily open source, but they are free. Uh, so first of all, GIMP is kind of like a Photoshop equivalent. Um, and use it for editing graphics. Um, make it, A lot of times I use this for making seamless tiles and things like that. 
I'm planning on using Unity again. I'm kind of I was like, uh, I, I really don't feel like learning anything new over this weekend. <laughs> so yeah, Unity's kind of my standby. Um, so yeah, Unity you can do either 2D or 3D games. Uh, again, this is not open source. There is Godot, spelt G-O-D-O-T. If you are looking for an open source engine similar to Unity, but Unity is free as long as you don't make like over $100,000 or something. And I'll probably, if I do a 3D game, which I'm thinking I probably will, I'll I'll use Blender. Uh, There's a new version. So one thing that I really like about Ludumdari is that before every Ludumdari, I always go and update all my tools. So I went ahead and downloaded it's 282 Alpha on here. I forget what the latest stable release is, but you just usually just get whatever the latest alpha or beta they have for download on their main page. But yeah, Ludumdar gives me a good opportunity to update all my tools on my system. And I may use other things such as BFXR, um, which I have here on the desktop. Uh, one other thing. Uh, so, uh, Dylan, d- did you have any tools or anything you wanted to show off or talk about what you're planning on? Oh, so are um, you doing a game? I guess that's the first question. I, I honestly, I kind of forgotten about this because Codestock was supposed to be this weekend. Right. So, um, I'm, I probably will, and I will probably kind of like you're saying, just default to kind of Unity because that's what I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if I decide to do something like pixel art, I'll use a sprite. Um, I can find a link for that. Yeah, um, a sprite too. I think when I was doing my shooter game, I was using uh, a sprite or Asp- however you pronounce it. Um, I think it does cost money and I know you can get it through steam, but it's relatively cheap. I know it's not over a hundred dollars. Oh yeah. It's like $15. I think it might be less depending on, where you're buying it from, if it's got uh, put it on, on your, sale, put it yeah, put it on your wish list and wait for it to go on sale. But it's a really good tool. I like it. You can do layers, you can do uh, animations, things like that. Um, it, it yeah, takes a little while to learn some of the keyboard shortcuts, but once you start getting into it, it's pretty easy to use. Well, again, it's it's one of those things that kind of puts you like pixel art kind of puts puts you in a box. So it's not like with GIMP where it's like, oh, there's all these different filters and all these different tools I could be using. It's like even if you don't know a whole whole lot, you can you can be productive. Yeah, the problem I have with GIMP is like it's hard to do original art with GIMP. It's like yeah, there is like a pencil tool, but. But typically, I'd just use GIMP for like doing texture. So I go outside and take a picture of the grass, or take a picture of rocks, and I kind of, kind of massage it in GIMP. But yeah, it can be hard like doing original pixel art in GIMP. So yeah, I, de- I definitely re- recommend Asprite or Asprite, however you pronounce it. And, um, so what about music and sound effects? I can't remember what you used for music. I've used crap. I can't remember what it's called. The um, the tool I think it was released by the developers of Cave Story. Oh, uh, PX Tone or PX PX Tone. Yeah, or PX Collage or something. I've used that before. It's not like I'm not great with sequencers. Mm-hmm. I, it's just like 
I don't have the kind of the skill set built up so that it's automatic. So I'm kind of fumbling through to build my different pieces. Um, I know one that's popular. I can't remember how to spell it, but it's like Bosca Sea Oil. You can do a lot with that. And I think yeah, I, I think you mentioned that. I bookmarked it. I don't think I have ever actually gone back to look at it. Yeah, I, I know we did a monthly meeting on music. It, it's been maybe a year or so, but uh, I know we went over a lot of different tools. Now I'll probably use GarageBand again. No, it isn't. It, it's not a open source it's apple specific um but it does have a lot of instruments and you can like uh, really twerk all your instruments and it has a lot of capabilities in it but the only downside with that is i have to jump on my mac, mac laptop do my music there then i created like a samba type share samba type share on my windows box or maybe i just open up a share and then i connect through like a smb share and then copy it over which i've kind of got that whole method worked out so it works i know you have to like create a specific window account and grant privileges to copy it over but you can always do a usb stick but uh, yeah i'll probably do uh garage band again but i know with both px tone and bosca seal maybe not bosca seal but px tone you can like record a sound effect and then import that in, and then you can make different notes using that one sound effect, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I've not gotten that deep into sequencers and stuff. Like, I think honestly, my last couple of Let Them There games, I've used BFXR for sound effects and just skipped music altogether because it's one of those things that's really hard to get right, and it is not in my wheelhouse. So i can get more done if i focus on you know coding and things like that that I'm, I'm better at yeah that brings up a good point it's like you can make a game without music and sound effects and then we submit submit it uh they do have the option of saying hey don't grade me in the music and sound effects category so if you don't have music and sound effects that's perfectly fine just make sure you check don't grade me on that category yeah i mean i think when i was first doing it i i definitely tried to get every piece in there and that's good experience if you're getting into game development but it's also one of those things that can burn you out real quick because you're you, like you can take it way too seriously yeah. whereas if you're just like eh, you know what i like designing mechanics i like writing code that's what i'm going to focus on yeah, you will have more fun with it you don't want to like take, bite off more than you can chew it's like okay just, yeah just work on what you can and I think definitely over the years I've, I've gotten better. I mean, my, looking back at my Amish Brothers games, like, oh, I could have done a lot better on that. <laughs> well, you're also, like, you're, you've also put a lot of time into Blender. So even, even the stuff that you, like, you don't think was good was way beyond what I could do. And I've pretty much just given up on Blender or 3D in general because that's, that's got such a learning curve. I just don't want to put the time into it. Yeah. And I was doing Blender like years before even Ludum Dora. I think yeah. I started with it in is like early two thousands because I remember doing. Uh, I tried to do a BattleBots game uh, in SDL using Blender and like my own little. So I'd take Blender, then export that data into an OBJ file. I think it's Wavefront OBJ. Then I would import all that. Uh, but yeah, Blender takes a long time to to get into and figure out. 
But and then there's the whole thing. Once you know Blender, how to get the Blender stuff out of it and working in in Unity. Um, but yeah, I think that's all the tools I'm going. To, like sometimes I've used Inkscape. I think Dylan, you've used Inkscape as well. If you're doing vector art, yeah. I I feel like it takes a lot more effort to do Inkscape well. Like if I've got a tablet. I can do work faster in GIMP, or I can do fa work faster in A Sprite than I can in Inkscape. Inkscape, like, is is I look at that as like, okay, I want to I want to print this at some point, and I don't want to be restricted by like the pixel sizes I've chosen. Whereas, you know, for game development, like, you're never gonna have to scale something up like two or three four five times yeah the nice thing about inkscape is like all the objects is like if you got a circle if you blow it up a hundred times it's still going to look like a circle if you shrink it a hundred times it's still going to look like a circle uh the problem i've had with it is like if i'm doing a like a game maker game then game maker game doesn't know what the heck to do with a an svg a scalable vector whatever it stands for graphics yeah scale, yeah. yeah exactly um, so what you got to do is you got to export all of those five Inkscape files into sprites. Then when, if you downscale and upscale the sprite, then it looks like crap. And then I know there's like these really weird quirks with Inkscape when you're exporting something to get it to export the right area and the right size. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't think of any other tools. Like I'll probably use... Bitbucket for hosting my game, but I've been kind of migrating over to GitHub lately. Yeah, ever since um, ever since uh, Bitbucket shut down their Mercurial repositories, I just went ahead and moved to, to GitHub because that that was the main reason I was using Bitbucket um, was because I really liked Mercurial. Yeah, I remember at the time when I first started doing Ludum Dares, like Bitbucket had uh, closed or private repositories, where it's like, okay, you upload something to Bitbucket, and then you're the only one that has access to it. And then at the time, GIMP uh, only had public repositories. So if you uploaded to GitHub, did I say GIMP? I meant GitHub. Yeah. If you uploaded to GitHub, then your code was out there for the world to see. Now, that's back in the days when I was like, oh, I'm going to make this million-dollar game, and I don't want anybody to see my code. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm, I'm 41 now. I was like, okay, I'll just put everything out there. I really don't care about it being, being closed. I, I still have private repositories for things I've released. Like, I'll, I'll, take, um, I'll take the Let Them Dare repository, and I'll either fork it or just create a separate copy of the code and check it in for, um, like, you know, like when I did retro future or, or anything that was based off of a let them dare game. Um, I don't know. Yeah. GitHub has added in, I know they added in private repositories a while back, but you were limited to three users. I think that's, they've bumped that up in the last, couple weeks just because people are doing more remote working now um but on their free account yeah so yeah and they were 
they were really easy to migrate from Bitbucket. Like you could literally just plug in your Bitbucket URL and log in, and it would just pull it down all your commits and everything. So they, they, they definitely even, made it easy. Even from Mercurial, you just point your Mercurial repository over to GitHub, and will it suck everything in? Or um, because I'm I may need to try that. <laughs> so I've actually so I've actually done that for work because we've moved. Um, like where we're keeping our code on things. There are extensions that will let you interact with, I think it's Git from Mercurial. Oh, okay. And you can literally even work back and forth. Um, but if you if you want, GitHub actually has like an import page, import project mm -hmm. that you can just point at Bit, Bitbucket. It'll pull everything down. Cool. It'll pull your commits set up a project kind of the same way. Um, it was really painless for me to, to move stuff over. All I had to do was just kind of, you know, just repetitively plug in my URLs. Cause I could see like, if you didn't have like an automated way to do that, you could spend like months just depending on how many repositories you have, which I have like 20, 20 games up there currently on, on Bitbucket, so that could take if you had to do that manually, like check out all your code and check it back in. So it's good to know there are tools or they have an automated way to do that. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems like GitHub is where like all the cool kids are these days, and I know supposedly people like if you're applying for a job they'll say hey what what's on your github what what have you programmed out there and supposedly some people look at that uh for hiring and things like that my only concern is like as we all probably know now microsoft bought out github so it's like do yeah. i really want to give all my code to microsoft and i don't read all this, the fine print and what am i giving microsoft the ability to do so with my code yeah i don't know i've not looked into it either i actually i don't remember who like, i guess they were their own company but i mean microsoft and atlassian and atlassian runs bitbucket and I don't have a whole lot of worry there because it's not like they're they're a really big company and there's a lot of code out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's you could you could kind of do the same thing with with Bitbucket or something else. I think as far as you know, putting it on your resume. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think the bigger thing is several years back there was kind of this parallel between uh, GitHub. Uh, Git and Mercurial, and Git has very clearly won. Yeah, I think Git was uh, created by Linus Talbert. I always pronounce his name wrong, Talbert. The guy that created Linux. Uh, yeah. And Mercurial, Mercurial kind of came out of the blue, because I remember like when I was in college, and this is going to show how old I am, but we were using like SV, CVS and SV, yeah. SVCCS and all that, and then it seemed like there was one after that. Oh, Subversion. So Subversion. Subversion, yeah. And I still use Subversion for projects, not for game dev stuff. But. Subversion, interestingly, actually also Git has Git can interact with Subversion. Oh, okay. I've actually done that before. Yeah. It looks like Jacob jumped on. Hey, Jacob, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear yep. you. 
Okay. Yeah, we're just doing the Ludum Dari kickoff. Thanks for joining. You're uh, welcome. Yeah, hopefully next time we'll be able to meet in person, but with the way things are going right now, it's just kind of crazy. So we're just doing it online this time. Yeah. So are you planning on doing a, a game this weekend? I'm planning on I'm planning on doing a game. Awesome. So so are you going to do Game Maker again? Probably. Cool. Yeah, we were just kind of sitting here talking about the different themes, and I guess it's going to be... Uh, well, let me share this out here. Share... Yeah, I guess it's going to be here in about 40 minutes they'll announce the theme. But yeah, it seems like there's a lot of different cool cool different things, that, uh, themes out there. Ha ha Jacob, have you uh, voted on any of the themes yet? Uh, I voted for, what did I vote for? I have it open. Okay. I think I... Uh, I voted for You Are the Power Source, an abandoned world, side effects, outdated technology, automation, and keep it alive. Cool. You got any ideas of what type of game you're going to develop or anything? Not like right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dylan and I were talking, and yeah, we kind of just went through each of the themes, and it's like there's some that I liked and some that I didn't, and... And yeah, so I guess we'll find out here before too long. I, I miss the old days when you could see the like the votes for each of the previous rounds, and then you could uh, uh, kind of get an idea of what the popular ones are. But yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't know, know which one of these is is going to win this time. And I don't really like the nice thing is I don't really have one that I'm like, oh no, I, I couldn't deal with that, and I don't. But I also don't have any like good standout um, themes that I'm just like hoping win. Yeah, the, like the only thing that I can—I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but for some reason I've had a—I uh, guess with the talk about a vi the virus and all that, um, it'd be cool to do like an Oregon Trail type game. Because um, I remember in that game, like people in your wagon could get different viruses or diseases and things like that and it's like there's never been a really good remake of oregon trail it it, it may be like a i think somebody did like an oregon trail where it's like zombies and stuff but but not a yeah. type game i, I, I kind of have an itch to make make that type of game where you're in a covered wagon and going out west or something but uh yeah yeah, I really don't have an itch aside from that for for making any specific genre of games. I kind I kind of feel like a I don't know. There's nothing I'm dying to make right now. Oh, I feel like we've done like all all three of us have done so many Lodum dares that we've probably touched like we've touched a lot of different genres already. Exactly. Um, I guess I've never made like a racing game. I kind of did like an RC racing game, but never like a, a Gran Turismo type game. But I, I really don't have any, and I really haven't touched sport games, sports games, because I've never really been that interested in those types of games. I think I did one like little football simulation, but I can't think of anything else that I'm because I've I spent a lot of time working on my space shooter and I'm kind of burnt out on shooters right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I... Unless you, unless you just have like a really good kind of high concept thing for a shooter. Once you've done a shooter, you've like you've pretty much done a shooter. Yeah. And I know at least for me, especially because that's the one I use as kind of a demo. It's really easy to fall into the same patterns of, you know, okay, well, you know, you fire a bullet and it just goes straight, and then you have randomly spawning ships and. And it takes a little work to, to kind of break outside that box for me. Yeah, I guess that's where you get into is like, okay, can I take two genres that I've already done and cross those together to make a new genre? But you got to be really careful with those types of games because then they become too complex and nobody understands how to play those. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't can't think of yeah i kind of like the idea and I, i'll go ahead and repeat it just because jacob wasn't on earlier but with the fragile game it's like having a waiter where he's got to carry glasses or something and and avoid the different obstacles in the restaurant so he doesn't drop the the serving plate or something yeah uh, we we're talking about garden garden seems like we could have a, like a lot of different Farmville type games, or it could be applied. I was thinking like a Japanese garden, which I think would be really cool. Oh, that's something I can show off. Which uh, so next month we'll do um, Ludum Dare show off, and then I'm thinking the month after that we can do Pi Game, which I've been working. I've been learning Python, <laughs> relearning Python, uh, which it's starting to grow on me a little bit like having all the code and the proper alignment it's kind of weird but I found out is like if I have to move stuff around or if I have to add another loop then I just have to indent everything and I don't have to worry about doing closed braces and, and all that good stuff yeah but the one thing I don't want to steal my thunder from two months from now um, but the one thing that I learned with Python is you want to have everything in classes. And yeah. it, it doesn't have scoping or anything. But uh, so if you're referring to a like an instance variable, you're putting self in front of all this stuff, uh, which is okay. That's kind of like how you scope stuff. Then if you want to access something in another object, you just refer the object, then dot whatever property you want. So there's really not... A concept of a private scope in uh, Python, but uh, this is what I have working so far. I may hope it doesn't blast my ears off. Python. So I was, I'm doing Koei Koei, the uh, the Hanafuda card game. That, yeah. That, yeah. I know. I, I remember seeing. Uh, you might, I guess, need the dot .py. Yeah. I've seen screenshots of this. I actually haven't seen it. So. So I started out with just a Koei Koei game between two CPU characters, and I finally got it where I got the player characters. Okay, this is cool. Um, so I have the months for each card, which is kind of like the suit right here uh, in the upper left-hand corner. So it just makes, just for debugging, just I don't want to remember, is this a cherry blossom or is this a fern? In the final version, I'll probably just take all that off, take all of that off. Maybe uh, have an option so you can turn that on if you if you do like having it on. But uh, let's see here. So I have six. One. I need to have an option to sort these as well. Um, four, ten, five, six. Okay, so here's two sixes, so I can 
drag that one, plop that one there. And then I go over here, flip one, and then I can drag the tin on top of the tin. So, uh, all the instructions for Koei Koei are online. We can talk about that later on the details of the game. But I guess the overall principle is you're taking these cards out of your hand and matching them with cards here on the table. So I've got a one, three, eleven, three. I don't have any that match. So I think one step that I'm missing here is I'm supposed to discard here, which I don't have that yet. If you drag it. Oh yeah, which would add, which would just add to the center. Yeah. So right now I just have it where you click, and so that's the next thing. I would yeah, let it strapped to your face. So, so I have different states right here. So that's kind of how I keep track of what state the game is in. So I, I, I drew one from the pile, so I'm gonna play that right there. Then it drags it over to my stack. Um, Eventually, I'm going to have it where these cards are separated into the special cards, the ribbon cards, the light cards. But I do have over here on the side the current card totals in your stack. So the next thing I need to do with this is take those values and determine the current scoring. So currently, I don't have it where you can say, oh, I made a match, I want to coy and keep playing, or I want to stop. So I don't have any of that in yet. But, uh, that's the basics of it right now. You can see my... my Debug output right there. Um, so I basically. Thing, oh, go ahead. There's one thing I, I really do like about Python is um, it's really easy to get to do introspection on your objects and see you know what properties you've got and and get that sort of output. So it does make that debug logging a lot easier. Yeah. Um, let's see. The only thing that I really have pro so the one thing that really stumped me was like I was trying to create variables outside of a class, and there's like really weird scoping rules for so I was like, okay, I'm just putting everything in classes and accessing all like that. But uh, cool, it's it's weird. Like I've never run into that doing Python, and that's usually because well, it's probably because I'm doing like either scripting. Or I like years and years ago I did web programming in it, so yeah. Like I'm I'm not writing as much code as you're writing in. But uh, but yeah, I'll go into more detail into Python in a couple of months. Uh, like the one real weird thing is like you get this default self passed in as the first parameter. So if you're not used to seeing that, and you're trying yeah. to pass like two uh, parameters. To your function, then it'll say, "Oh, uh, this function takes three parameters instead of two. It's because you got to add self as the first parameter." Um, but yeah, it's going to show off the. So I kind of did an object-oriented approach. So I made it similar to like XNA and all the other frameworks where I have a draw. Now you don't get this by default. I'm just using this for organizing code. So I have a draw and an update and. Uh, and init. So the init is part of Python right here. So if you have an underscore, underscore, init, underscore, underscore, then that will be called, it's like a constructor in Java, this will be called uh, when you create a new object. But the nice thing is, that whenever you want to create a new object, you just say, uh, like, I forget where the code is, like in init, you just say, give me a new, like, player. And you, put, and you don't have to say new or anything like that. Um, but in card, I have like draw, so you can see I'm, I'm using Pygame here. 
So I'm using Pygame Draw a Rectangle, and I preload in all the images of all the cards. Then based on what the current property of the card is, like whether it's hidden or if, uh, if we're displaying the month or if we're doing all these, depending on the type of card is, it is, whether it's a socket cup or special, we're going to print different attributes on that card just for like a hint for debugging. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty simple. I think this is probably a couple thousand, a thousand or two lines of code, maybe a few hundred. I'm not sure, but you can get stuff up and running pretty quickly. And I think Pygame is built on top of SDL because a lot of the stuff looks very similar. Like the, the event handling looks like it's right out of SDL with where you have these event pipe where you pull things off this event queue and handle that. Um, so yeah, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a couple of months, but just want to show that off since I've been working on it. Uh, so, Jacob, did you have anything else you've been working on or anything you want to talk about? I think he's muted right now. We still got about 30 minutes to go. So, so Dylan, did, uh, did you want to call it here or do you want to come back at nine or? <laughs> um, I mean, we can, we can do either way. Like, you know, if, if you want to, I'm kind of out if of you wanted to, we could cut here and just stay logged into hangouts and yeah. uh yeah i really don't have any opinion i'm just yeah we we could just cut it because yeah i don't think i had anything else i wanted to talk about uh, do, 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 do. uh yeah that's it i guess the only question is is do you want to come back at night or just want to call it here and we can look at we can look at the theme on our own time <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say we could we could actually just call it. That that might be fine. Yeah, because we've went an hour and a half already. Hey, Jacob, uh, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, do you have anything else you wanted to show off or talk about? Not, not really. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I think, I think we're probably gonna call it here. Call call this to kick off, and we'll we'll all just kind of look at the theme on our own time, and then we'll get back together in a month and show off the games that we've created. Okay. I'll see you then, I guess. Okay, well, good luck on your game. And Good we'll, luck. We look forward to playing it. Uh, Dylan, did you have anything right. else you wanted to show off? Or... Yeah. Nope. All right. Well, everybody go out and check out Dylan, DylanWolf.com and, and everywhere else. Uh, you can check out my stuff at LeviDSmith.com and, uh, yeah, check out the... Uh, website noxgamedesign.org and check it there's a link to the discord on there so definitely get on the discord and uh pop in if anybody out there wants to chat with us and things like that so anyway until next month thanks everyone for listening and watching